0: Welcome to your city hall. This is the formal meeting on Tuesday, February twenty-second, here at Emma Harvat Hall.
1: Twenty-first. Pardon. Twenty-first. Yeah. Twenty-first.
0: I'm sorry. I thought I said that. Um, so welcome. And I believe, uh, do we do roll call or it's, yes? Alter here.
2: Fergus Here.
3: Dunn? Here. Harmson? Here. Taylor? Yeah, here. Teague?
0: Thomas? Here. Great. Um, Actually, it's a wonderful way to open up our meeting tonight. We have the state of the city recording by our own Mayor Teague, who is unable to be here tonight because he is on his honeymoon. So I am happy to be filling in for him.
4: Good evening, Iowa City. It is my duty, honor, and privilege to address the City Council and the community this evening in my fourth State of the City Address. I'd like to first thank my fellow City Councilors, which are Mayor Pro Tem Megan Alter, Councilor Pauline Taylor, Councilor John Thomas, Councilor Laura Burgess, Councilor Sean Harmson, and our recently Council-appointed member, Councilor Andrew Dunn. I am humbled to serve alongside a group of such dedicated, thoughtful, and compassionate individuals, and to be entrusted as your mayor. Together, I am proud of our stewardship of this great city. I would also like to thank our more than 600 city employees. You are the friendly faces behind our garbage trucks, the attentive caregivers of our parks, the trusted operators of our water service, and the driving force behind so many other essential daily services that contribute to our daily quality of life. Finally, I would like to thank and recognize who this address is really about tonight. All of you. The care that Iowa City community members show for one another and our home is truly awesome and amazing. In my 29 years as an Iowa City resident, I have found pride again and again in who we are as a community and who we strive to be. And this is exactly what we tapped into when my fellow City Council members and I charted a strategic plan for the next several years. We dug deep to ask ourselves, who is Iowa City and who do we want to be? Well, first and foremost, we are better together. Last year, we joined our neighboring cities and community partners to launch Better Together 2030, our all-in regional vision for how we move forward in Johnson County. As a result, we have begun a multi-city collaboration to revitalize the recreational opportunity of the Iowa River. Soon, we will be ready to announce an innovative 3D printed affordable housing project with numerous public and private partners right here in Iowa City. And my council colleagues and I will be calling on our Metro Johnson County partners to join us in imagining how our regional transit system can be better together too. I look forward to the opportunity to collaborate with my colleagues across the county to build on this momentum towards the future. Of course, the true heart of a community is its people. And more importantly, it is how we treat those people. We are a collection of culturally and racially diverse individuals and neighborhoods, each of whom brings a valuable and important perspective to the table. Now I know we are a community that still has some work to do when it comes to equity and justice for everyone. I encourage our council staff and community to continue our commitments to dismantling systemic racism and social inequities. And at the same time, I'd like to acknowledge some of the work that we are doing. We are one of 120 cities in the nation that scored 100 points on the Municipal Equity Index in 2022. This is our 11th straight perfect score for the inclusion of LGBTQ people. We remain committed to a thoughtful truth and reconciliation process, one that fits our community. We offer diverse and inclusive programming with bilingual story times and multicultural events at the library, more inclusive and accessible play features in our parks, and transit ride voucher programs to ensure a dollar is never what holds a teenager back from accessing safe, healthy recreation opportunities in our community. We provide communication, education, and training through our Equity and Human Rights Office, the Library, and the Senior Center throughout the year. We strive to infuse racial justice, social equity, and human rights into every investment we make and actions we take as a community. Because action matters, in fact, This is the slogan we've adopted for our leadership in climate action. Programs like our residential energy efficiency incentives and annual neighborhood energy blitz, not only move us towards our vision for net zero greenhouse gas emissions, but also prioritize those who can benefit from this assistance the most. We have taken part in several public-private energy efficiency projects, which has meant new ways for us to advance economic development in our community while leading with climate change. Engagement and educational opportunities like the Climate Ambassador Program, Climate Resilience Corps, and Climate Action Festivals are just a few examples of the ways you can get involved and take action too. This past year, we launched a rebate program for installing electric vehicle charges at multifamily buildings. Because renting shouldn't mean an electric vehicle isn't an option for you. This is one way the city is working to modernize transportation in our community. And while we prepare for the future, we must be responsible stewards of our roadway network today. We've seen inflation, supply chain issues, and labor shortages lead to infrastructure projects costing more and taking longer. In December, I breathed a sigh of relief when we were finally able to reopen American Legion Road. After a few more small closures this spring, this project will be on track to near completion by the end of 2023. Also in 2023, reconstruction of the intersection at Taft Avenue will round out this project. Work will continue on Rochester Avenue between First Avenue and Ralston Creek, and we are slated to begin rehabilitation of Benton Street and replacement of the Gilbert Street Bridge. We are also a multimodal community, one who envisions a future where commuters choose to walk, bike, or bus at least half of the time to work towards this goal. We continue to advance our bike master plan, recently adding bike lanes on Madison Street and a stretch on American Legion Road. Next year, we will see even more bike lane enhancements on our roadways. And in the coming year, my council colleagues and I will take up the issue of zero fare public transit, which could be transformative for how people move in this community. According to various national ranking lists over the years, we are one of the best places to live, one of the happiest cities, and one of the top cities for entrepreneurs, working parents, retirees, and places to get a fresh start. But we are also striving to achieve a more inclusive economy, one that works just as well for business owners and entrepreneurs who are black, Latino, immigrant, or refugee. So we are committed to acting on the Inclusive Economic Development Plan in 2023, to invest in long-term support and wealth building opportunities for populations who haven't always felt like there is a place for them in our economy too. We have recently partnered with the University of Iowa Labor Center to offer more pre-apprenticeship opportunities and with Kirkwood Community College to give women the skills and confidence to succeed in the building and construction trades. A few months ago, the council invested in a partnership to hire a community child care navigator position. And I'm excited to announce that within the next year, we hope to partner in the launch of a transformative child care wage supplement program because raising children should never be an insurmountable barrier. For someone who is ready and willing to enter the workforce. We are a community that has rarely shied away from the social issues of our times. And over the past few years, we have made some important strides in how we tend to the safety and well being of our residents. Thanks to our strong social service networks world-renowned healthcare facilities, and strong track record of collaborative partnerships. I believe we are a national leader in mental health crisis response and care. Johnson County has been selected as one of just three regions in Iowa to pilot the integration of the 911 and 998 Crisis Lifeline Dispatch Systems. Since we were one of the first cities in the nation to include the 988 lifeline on our police vehicles, I know our public safety departments will be good partners to the county in this effort. Last year, we invested nearly $1 million of American Rescue Plan Act funds towards the response times and capacity of our community's mobile crisis response service. And recently, I joined my council members in approving a second mental health liaison position which puts us one step closer to our goal of having a trained mental health professional on shift and ready to respond with dispatched officers around the clock. I am also proud of the incredible work our police officers have done to prevent shootings and keep guns off the streets. Over the past three years, our officers have seized 319 guns and gun violence has decreased by 77%. But the success of violence intervention also depend on having strong social supports in place. To date, we have partnered with over 50 agencies to provide pandemic relief to nonprofits and the small business community. An effort to build local nonprofit capacity through a capital grant program is also currently underway. Many of our own city departments also provide Important social and community building opportunities. Our current budget includes funding to make critical improvements to the Senior Center so they can continue to focus on their mission of ending social isolation for people age 50 plus through inclusive social health and well being programming. This past year, we heard from many about our Recreation Master Plan, which will help make investments in our athletic fields, courts, and pools for the enjoyment of future generations to come. Because our city is a collection of authentic, vibrant neighborhoods and districts, we know that how people engage and come together with their neighbors won't look the same for everyone. This is why I am proud of the work we have begun to rethink neighborhood associations and organizing. We are seeing renters, immigrants, and refugees become connected to and evolved in their neighborhoods, many for the first time, despite having lived here nearly their entire lives. We are making space for everyone to find connection, community, and pride in the place they live. We are a community that has no choice but to focus on how we can stabilize housing as a fundamental human right for everyone. Our Housing Authority assists over 1,500 low-income families acquire and maintain safe, affordable housing, manages 86 public housing units and 16 affordable housing units, and administers 1,457 Housing Choice Vouchers to those most in need. Each year, our city administers between 2 million and 3 million in federal funds for programs such as housing rehabilitation, home air quality, aid to social service agencies, home ownership programs, and other affordable housing efforts. Just in the past couple of years, our inclusive zoning and tax increment financing policies have led to the contribution of over $4.5 million in affordable housing fees money which is then reinvested to support our broader affordable housing goals, such as the South District Home Ownership Program. Last spring, we adopted a bold new affordable housing action plan. Our work on this plan is underway. We recently removed an outdated policy that had the effect of limiting our affordable housing supply. And last month, we made a significant investment in a comprehensive pilot project targeting housing stability, eviction prevention and diversion, and landlord risk mitigation. Getting people into stable housing is difficult if we don't have enough quality, affordable housing to go around. That's why we are planning an overhaul of our comprehensive plan. This multi-year effort should make it easier to build more diverse types of residential housing, like duplexes, townhomes, and smaller multifamily units it is important for our city to grow in a way that is both sustainable and attainable for renters and home buyers. Through our upcoming budget, we again make significant investment in our water, sewer and landfill infrastructure so that as we grow, our residents can continue to count on safe, reliable and sustainable public utilities and services. The ways we are invested in our funds, the issues we give our attention to, and the actions we take say a lot about who we are, and give us a glimpse of who we are working to become. We are a one-of-a-kind city, a community unlike any other, we are thoughtful and compassionate, innovative and brave, and yes, sometimes we are slow to figure out the answer, and sometimes The problems we face feel insurmountable, but I am hardened by the reminder that we are in it together. We are the sum of our parts. We can do and be so much more together than any one of us could do on our own. Iowa City has blazed a path I am proud of, and together we have charted a bold future. The state of our city is strong, and I look forward to making it stronger together in unity your mayor Bruce T
0: I just want to say thank you to the staff and the mayor and especially the community's feedback that helped engendered so many of the projects that were outlined by the mayor. Um, he's absolutely right that sometimes when you're in the middle of it, it's not feeling like there are many steps forward, but I think that that 10,000 foot back view to be able to sort of say, we've listened and we're working on it. Um, and there's been a number of programs and accomplishments that have come from the community speaking to us and, uh, Councils passed, who th- put this in motion. And then my fellow counselors, this is pretty amazing. And so thank you to everybody who helped put the video together, but more importantly, the programs and, and the people who actually helped say we need these programs. So. And with that, we are very happy to um, have a proclamation for International Women's Day and Women's History Month. And it will be read by Councilor Taylor.
5: Thank you. Um, Excuse me, Mayor Patam Alter. I am uh, pleased to read this proclamation as uh, March 8th happens to be my daughter's birthday. So this has some additional meaning to me. Whereas March 8th is celebrated as International Women's Day around the world, and whereas the theme of Johnson County United Nations Association Celebration of International Women's Day 2023 is Sustainable Development Goal number 15, Life on Land, and whereas around the world 1.6 billion people depend on forests for their livelihoods, yet forests are being felled at an astonishing rate, Between 2010 and 2016, 3.3 million hectares were lost, often for profits that bypassed local communities. And whereas women, particularly those who are poor and living in rural areas, often depend on forests for fuel, fodder, and food, deforestation for some means spending many more hours each day walking long distances to secure those needs and whereas their limited ownership of land reduces their capacity to adapt to losses or to make decisions about how land is used. While some have extensive knowledge about traditional practices that are inherently sustainable, this is often excluded from decisions about sustainable ecosystems. And whereas when women make up A critical mass of between 25 and 35 percent of the people in community forestry, their impact is felt. Forest conditions and regeneration improve, and the women themselves gain greater political voice. And whereas women, globally and locally, also often lead smallholder food production operations, and whereas... The Johnson County Chapter of the United Nations Association of the USA and other community partners are celebrating International Women's Day by honoring local organizations led by women that promote community food production grow Johnson County, Field to Family, and the Great Plains Action Society at its annual night of 1,000 dinners, and whereas these organizations and the World Food Program will be honored on Wednesday, March 8th at Mercer Park Aquatic Center and Scanlon Gym during an in-person event that will include an international buffet and entertainment with a live stream also available. Now, therefore, I, Councilmember Pauline Taylor, on behalf of Bruce Teague, Mayor of Iowa City, do hereby proclaim March 8th as International Women's Day and the month of March 2023 to be recognized as Women's History Month in Iowa City and urge residents to recognize and support the contributions of women in the changing world. Uh, accepting is our wonderful former mayor, Jim Throgmorton, and I believe also a member of the uh, Human Rights Commission, Bijou Malibu. Yes.
6: Thanks. Thanks, Pauline. Uh, uh, My name is Jim Throgmorton. I have with me Bijou Malibu, who is also a member of the Johnson County United Nations Association Board of Directors. So, it's a real pleasure to be here with you tonight. Uh, Kind of a bittersweet pleasure for me, as you all can imagine. Uh, Nonetheless, it is a real treat, and I want to say a few words uh, with regard to the proclamation itself. So thank you for publicly reading JCUNA's proclamation for International Women's Day. The young intern who wrote the proclamation chose to include important information about global deforestation and women's role in reforestation. We support her attention to this topic as part of Sustainable Development Goal Number 15, Life on Land. But we want to emphasize as well the important work in smallholder sustainable food production here in Johnson County and around the world. It's work often done and led by women. It's this work in particular that we will be honoring at the annual event, Night of a Thousand Dinners, on March 8. Johnson County UNA is committed to the promotion here in our county of not just Sustainable Development Goal Number 15, life on land, but of all 17 Sustainable Development Goals, we would welcome working with you, and I said this to the Coralville City Council last week, so I said it to them too, on use of the 17 SDGs, as they're called, as a means to promote and measure your work in sustainability, social justice, no hunger, and all the objectives of the SDGs. In the meantime, we would be delighted to see all of you, including city staff members, at the Night of a Thousand Dinners meeting uh, uh, event on March the eighth. Starts at six p.m. in Iowa City's own Mercer Aquatic Center, right here. So thanks so much. Uh, where's oh, there you are, Pauline. Thanks so much <laughs> for reading that and for giving us the proclamation. And put this in here. Bijou, do you want to say a few words?
2: Hi
5: everyone, Uh, my name is Piju Maliabo and I just want to say thank you so much for acknowledging this event and for honoring this um, event and moment in time. It means a lot to the community and thank you so much for all your work.
0: Thank you before we move on to um, the consent calendar, I just want to note um, that a constituent reached out to me for a resolution for um, Rare Disease Day, which is um, February 28th, and um, we were unable to pull together a proclamation for that. However, I did want to acknowledge it and to let um, all those who have who feel it themselves, family members, friends, loved ones, that um, we will be thinking of you and honoring you on Rare Diseases Day, February 28th. So, can I get a motion to approve the consented calendar?
7: So moved, done.
0: Second, Taylor. Moved by Dunn, second by Taylor. Public discussion on th- any item on the consent calendar? Seeing none, council discussion? Roll call, please. Thomas?
1: Yes. Alter? Yes. Burgess? Yes. Dunn? Yes. Harmson? Yes. Taylor?
0: Yes. Motion passes 6 to 0. We are now at community comment, and this is a time for items not on the agenda. Um, please make sure that you either sign low little card and put it in the basket there, or uh, you can fill a sticker out over at the end and bring it up. Welcome. Please state your name and city, please.
8: Hi, I'm Brandon Ross. Uh, I live in Iowa City. Uh, great to see Mayor Teague and his... Uh, his yearly report. Uh, Thank you so much for all your good works. I'm sorry to be here. Uh, This February, it's a a year after uh, the U.S. and uh, Russia got heavily involved in uh, the Ukrainian uh, conflict, which has been going on now since 2014. Uh, My family, uh, my mother's side, is from Kiev. In 2014, uh, there was a violent coup uh, where the democratically elected president was removed by uh, right-wing fascist uh, factions that the U.S., unfortunately, was in the cynical position of supporting. Um, After eight years, Russia did get involved, and then the U.S. uh, put forth $100 billion of uh, U.S. taxpayer money to arm this group against also, which previously they had armed against the ethnic minority in Donbas, which was Russian Ukrainians. Ukraine is made up of probably at least three groups of people, not just one. There are the right-wing nationalists from the West, There are the Russian-Ukrainian ethnic minorities of the East. And then there's a bunch of people in the middle who consider themselves a mixture of European and also Russian. On Sunday, there was a rally in Washington, which uh, was a protest against the U.S. arming of Ukraine. It wasn't covered by much of our corporate news because... Our corporate news is in lockstep with our State Department. But we are in a cynical position because the US is the one country that will not negotiate. Anthony Blinken said that negotiations are off the table. Ukrainian people are dying, and the war is not popular amongst Ukrainian people. Even though Zelensky, who is now also unpopular in Ukraine, keeps saying, give us more weapons. Ukrainian people just want to go home. The greatest amount of refugees from Ukraine in the, in the country that has the greatest amount is Russia. OK, so the US, my ask is that everybody here, please call or write your Congress people in the White House to end the war to engage in negotiations, and stop arming, and stop spending hundreds of billions of dollars. Please, please, please. Thank you. See
0: anyone online? Yeah, okay. Hello. Hello.
9: My name is Kevin Watkins. I live at 2035 Abbey Lane. I appreciate the opportunity to speak with the uh, members of the council this evening. I'm here to represent a lot of people on our street and to follow up with a letter that we sent to the city council a couple weeks ago that was presented by uh, Judy. Um, It had to do with the Rarit South Trunk Sanitary Sewer Project that's uh, planned to be installed under Abbey Lane. In that letter, the residents uh, of the properties abutting Abbey Lane noted their support for the initial project uh, of improving the sanitary sewer to a 30 inch pipe. The initial plans described a uh, field survey starting in about March 2022 on the city website, and that was kind of the first, some of the first paperwork that we saw. Public information meetings were held May 11th and July 28th in 2022. A third public information meeting was planned for winter or early spring of 2023. Uh, in the fall of 2022, several of us residents had an opportunity to speak with uh, representatives uh, of the city, including Joe Welter, one of the city engineers, on our in our front lawns yards as they came by to check out the layout of everything and so forth. We appreciated the opportunity to uh, speak with them in, a, in personal discussions, uh, but Unfortunately, no one recalls any mention at that time of narrowing the street uh, at that, in the future. After that time period, uh, another public information meeting was uh, added on November 30th, 2022, the last day of November. And this was to address two issues. The second issue was the need to take up all of the concrete on Abbey Lane. Uh, and at that point, the plan was announced, as far as I can tell, to narrow the width of the street from 38 to uh, I'm sorry 36 to 28 feet. We identified our concerns about this process uh, in the previous letter. We continue to be concerned about the issues described in the letter namely the safety uh, of children and pedestrians in the neighborhood, the numerous bicyclists that use uh, Abbey Lane, and the adequacy of parking for those who use uh, Kiwanis Park. The letter was signed by more than 20 people or more than 80% of the property owners along Abbey Lane. We continue to be concerned about the recently added change in the plan to narrow the street and it may undermine the uh, goals listed above. And the impact of the narrowing street may not yet be fully clarified from our perspective. Uh, furthermore, this last change does not seem t- consistent with the uh, good neighbor policy uh, elucidated in the uh, uh, city website and with general principles of transparency. We continue to be curious about other effects, including the appearance of the neighborhood, property values, and whether the driveway extensions will lead to Thank you. Uh, a trough for snow and water. Thank you very much.
0: Is anyone else who has any comments? Public comment? Okay. Moving on to planning and zoning matters. We have Daniel Sitzman to talk about rezoning of North Dodge Street and North Scott Boulevard. <phone rings> Actually, as a point of, should I write, read the description?
1: Uh, oh, uh, of the agenda item? Yes. Yeah, that would be fine, and then open the public hearing. Yeah.
0: Perfect. Thank you. Uh, this is an ordinance conditionally rezoning approximately 3.87 acres of property located south of the North Dodge Street and North Scott Boulevard intersection from commercial office zone to community commu- community commercial zone with a planned development overlay for approximately 2.04 acres and to low-density multifamily residential with a planned development overlay for approximately 1.83 acres. With that, I'm going to open the public hearing. Welcome. Thank
10: you, Mayor Tim. Thanks for reading that. I appreciate that. We'll get right to it. So this is an exhibit showing that location that you just described, and the two sets of acreage that are subject to the rezoning. Two different zoning zones being proposed here. Um, the applicant in this case is Mark Holtkamp, working with Axiom Consultants. The purpose of the re, uh, request for rezoning is, and the plan development overlay plan would be to allow a restaurant, a mixed-use building, with eight dwelling units, and nine separate townhomes. Um, the plan also shows Uh, Two drive-throughs, which would require special exceptions to be granted by the Board of Adjustment. separately in different proceedings and the applicant has conveyed to staff that the prior- priority is to develop a coffee shop on the site with an associated drive-through. The other drive-through would be for the AT- for an ATM. Um, this property does contain sensitive areas and a preliminary sensitive areas development plan proposes um, removal of critical slopes in excess of what's allowed per ordinance, um, therefore triggering also a review by the Planning and Zoning Commission and the City Council this evening as part of that OPD process. Um, the applicant did conduct a good neighbor meeting at- in October of 2022. This exhibit shows the current zoning of the subject property as well as the surrounding properties. Um, The surrounding land uses do include multifamily townhouse style development to the north, um, the city's fire station number four to the east, uh, building used by the Iowa City Community School District as their administration building to the west, and some uh, existing single-family homes off a cul-de-sac to the south. This is uh, at the intersection of two arterial streets. Uh, On the west side headed northeast would be North Dodge and also Scott Boulevard is the other frontage of this particular parcel. So this property was rezoned from a research development park to a commercial office zoning district, which it currently holds, back in 2008. Um, The proposal at the time is what's shown here on the slide for a corporate office building and a bank. Um, There were several conditions associated with that rezoning. That was not an OPD rezoning. So uh, the inclusion of a concept was uh, something that was uh, required just through conditions at that time. Um, The conditions related to the layout of the site, um, placing parking behind the building as much as possible, having the building in a certain orientation to the street network. In this slide, Scott Boulevard is running along the south side here. So I'm going to flip back and forth between the two different orientations. Um, This is the proposed zoning uh, before you today, uh, showing in two different designations the different zoning districts. To the right is the more commercial uh, of the two. The, uh, and to the left is the low-density low multifamily uh, district in red hash. Um, as I said, this is an overlay zoning district. Um, an overlay zoning district is uh, required because of the sensitive areas, and it gets you uh, a glimpse into... It's also required because of the mix of uses. It also gives you a glimpse into the layout of the site, which show, is shown here in this slide. Uh, the pink. Uh, rectangles being the buildings, um, to the right-hand side being the commercial buildings, including the coffee shop and the mixed-use building with housing above, and to the left being the townhome units proposed. It also shows the access points in the proposed parking areas. These are details you wouldn't normally see with the rezoning, but because it's an OPD zoning, there's a site plan involved. Um, the site plan is required um, to eventually be f- fulfilled through further steps in the uh, development process. Any deviations from this, this plan, if they're substantial, would trigger a re-review uh, by the Planning and Zoning Commission at another rezoning hearing. In this case, um, oftentimes uh, an OPD rezoning will include waivers to the base zoning standards. In this case, there are no waivers requested. They're simply asking for the mix of uses uh, and because of the sensitive areas showing the uh, preliminary details of the site plan. Uh, With OPD rezonings, we go through the normal rezoning criteria for consistency with comp plan and the compatibility with the existing neighborhood, and then also evaluate some additional uh, criteria, which, which we'll walk through right now. Uh, As far as consistency with the comprehensive plan, um, the future land use map for the Iowa City 2030 plan does designate this area as appropriate for public-private open space. Um, It is included in the Northeast District Plan, but is not designated in that plan in any way on a future land use map. Um, So when that occurs, that's not uncommon. There are other aspects of the comprehensive plan with which we would review, and those are uh, expressed in the goals and strategies in the comprehensive plan. In this particular instance, there's several um, relevant goals and strategies related to land use and um, complementary infill, as well as providing a variety of housing types, ensuring that transportation, transportation systems are for all modes of transportation and do encourage walking and biking, and then also being sensitive to environmental impacts. The comprehensive plan does also uh, mention neighborhood design principles as guiding principles for uh, development and, and how the compre- comprehensive plan can be fulfilled through design principles. In this case, it is infill development, and so it's um, an opportunity to continue to see uh, development within the boundaries of Iowa City and make sure that we have um, a um, efficient system and avoiding. Um, sprawl whenever possible with quality infill, also providing for diversity of housing types, lending to more affordable housing choices, and encouraging um, a mix of development that's appropriate based on the context around it. The design principles also express an uh, interest in neighborhood commercial areas, providing focal points for neighborhoods, and then, as I mentioned, an emphasis on good transportation systems. Related to the OPT, OPD rezoning, there are those additional criteria that I mentioned. Um, some of those have to do with density and land uses. Um, the density in this case for the base zoning districts is 15 dwelling units per acre. The proposed development is well below that at just over four dwelling units per acre. Um, there is a commercial component to this development, of course, so it's not entirely proposed for um, dwelling units, so that math does kind of... Um, I get diluted by that denominator changing a little bit. But even in the commercial uh, portion of the site, there is housing units being proposed above commercial. And as I've said, um, on the bottom half of the slide now, changing orientation somewhat, those would be the townhome development um, units. So it uh, does meet the density limit. It's, it is anticipated to provide a commercial development located along two arterial streets, as I mentioned and add a main entryway into Iowa City. It does provide that mix of housing types as envisioned in the comprehensive plan. So we also do look at mass scale and general layout. Um, as I said, there are no waivers being requested here, so the mass and scale of this development would be very similar under a conventional zoning district. Um, they'll be required to meet all of their open space requirements. We're not asking for any waivers to any of that. And those site features would be evaluated at additional development stages. In regards to traffic circulation, they have two access points proposed off Scott Boulevard, no access points off of North Dodge. Um, but we did have a traffic study prepared to evaluate the impact of the trips uh, generated by this development and its impacts on the surrounding neighborhood. And there are several conditions that are proposed with this development based on the recommendations of that traffic study. Those include installing a right turn lane along Scott Boulevard. Um, Also making sure that there's a safe pedestrian crossing, including a refuge island on the south side of Dubuque Dubuque Road. And dedication of public access easements where the sidewalk um, network needs to um, be on private property because of the impacts of that turn lane and a limitation on right-of-way available. Um, Again, we look at the burden of the development on the existing street network and utilities. In this case, there's a sewer and water available. The traffic study did indicate the need for improvements, and so those have been incorporated into the conditions. Sort of unique to this development is, unlike a residential development, um, the commercial component of this is largely... drive-by traffic that's already on the streets just choosing to stop in. So this would not be necessarily a destination retail, it would be more of one of convenience um, if you're driving by and suddenly see a service or a product that you would like. Um, So while there is a need for improvements, it's not quite as impactful as a completely residential development. And then evaluating the impact of the proposed development compared to a com- uh, conventional development. Um, really, this development would not have any more of an impact um, than a conventional ve- development, primarily because of the um, lack of need for waivers. And then, of course, um, the provision of neighborhood commercial uh, and additional housing, meeting the mix of uh, desire for a mix of housing and neighborhoods, meeting the need for public interest. As I mentioned, this is, does have a uh, sensitive features on site. Those are uh, essentially the slopes uh, shown here in the colored side. Um, They do um, impact those slopes. There's three kinds of slopes in our ordinance, steep, steeper, and steepest. Um, You're absolutely not allowed to impact the steepest slopes. In this case, they're um, proposing to impact the medium steepness slopes um, in a greater proportion than is normally allowed by our code. So that's why they had to prepare this exhibit and uh, demonstrate what percentage would be impacted by this development. Um, generally, uh, avoiding those impacts is best, um, but needing to cluster development away from them as much as possible to still allow infill is the intent of the sensitive areas ordinance. So, as far as next steps, we're here at the rezoning stage. Um, this land has already been platted once, so it would not go through a preliminary plat. Again, it would simply go to final plat. Um, we would review the final versions of the sensitive areas development plan and the final versions of the site plan at staff when those are prepared. And then uh, on to building permits. So, Based on a review of the relevant criteria, uh, both specific and general, staff did recommend approval with um, several proposed conditions. In January, the Planning and Zoning Commission met and concurred with staff's opinion um, and also recommended those conditions. We have received a signed conditional zoning agreement tonight and as I mentioned, they did hold that good neighbor meeting. So the conditions as included in that CZA are a commitment to have the landscaping pl- plans re- reviewed by the city forester and to replace any public right-of-way trees removed during construction of the turn lanes, to dedicate easements where necessary to ensure, piv- private, or to ensure public pedestrian access to the site across the private property, to install the public improvements identified in the traffic study, such as that right turn lane, and the pedestrian crossing with the Refuge Island, and to acknowledge that no driveways will be allowed onto North Dodge Street. That concludes my report. I'm happy to answer questions.
0: Just to make sure that I'm oriented correctly, that um, right-turn lane on Scott, that's going south, correct? Correct. Okay. And there was not any, I'm assuming that because it wasn't mentioned, there's... No anticipated problems with um, the fire station and the need for the trucks to get in and out. Correct. Okay. Danielle, with that higher level um,
11: sensitive areas review, I saw, you know, the analysis relating to all the slopes. Was there any woodland impact?
10: No, it's only slopes.
11: Okay. Thank you.
12: Danielle, the housing, will have the townhouses and then the commercial building will have housing above?
10: Right. The uh, longer rectangle on the north part of the slide would be the mixed-use commercial building with commercial on the ground floor and eight units, I believe, above.
12: Would that be one additional story or two?
10: Just, well, at this point, we would only know of two. They are not asking for a height waiver, so they'd be limited to the maximum height in the district.
12: Would be three three floors.
10: 35 feet, so.
11: And on the, just the image that's up on the screen right now, the blue lines retaining walls, the kind of more solid. Yes, I would
10: think that's right.
0: There are no other questions? Thank you. And then do I bang for public discussion uh, not
1: just yet you wanna <clears throat> you'd like to uh, uh, welcome the uh, developer to offer uh, their comments if they'd like
0: yes thank you
13: good evening council. Uh, Brian Belk with Axiom Consultants and representing the applicant, uh, Mark Holkamp, who's down in Atlanta. So he's apologizes he can't be here, but probably enjoying the weather better than we will be in the next couple of days. So uh, thanks for your time. And uh, as always, thanks, city staff, uh, for working through with us to this point. Um, I think Danielle outlined everything pretty well, certainly here to answer any more questions. Uh, yeah, we feel like this is just a really good... Um, infill development that in a site that has sat for a long time. As we know, there's some challenges and difficulties with it and feel uh, like though we are impacting, obviously, some critical slopes, we're doing uh, the least impact as we can to the sensitive areas as a whole. And this also provides an opportunity for some nice mixed use here uh, on both commercial as well as different levels of residential. Uh, I know, uh, John, you had asked about the height on that mixed building, uh, and I think it's still either sec- two or three stories. He might even only just go two with one level of residential, but that commercial, just, just kind of see how that, that's going, a market analysis. Um, but I, as Danielle alluded to, certainly no more than that, as that's the, the requirement and he has no desire to go beyond that. I should say the applicant, as mentioned, certainly accepts all the conditions that are part of the CZA and has been signed. Um, We went through the full traffic study uh, and worked with traffic and engineering on that. Um, Obviously adding the right turn lane there and did talk and work with fire too to make sure there was no uh, serious conditions there, which there are not. Um, And yeah, we just feel like uh, this was even a a better improvement from what was originally looked at and zoned in terms of a larger three-story building with a lot of surface parking area. Um, Looking to downsize as we go to the south there and mix in with the residential. Happy to answer any questions.
0: Thank you. Okay. Thank you.
1: Questions from the public at this point.
0: Thank you. Questions from the public. Okay. So now close the
1: public. Informal. Hearing. Uh, oh. Yeah. Before you do uh, informal <laughs> consensus. Uh, see. Owen. Uh, yeah. There
0: we go. Yes. Uh, so are we inclined to? All right. Uh, yes. Okay.
1: Well, then you can uh, close the public hearing and have council dis- or motion, and then council discussion. Uh.
0: Motion to give first consideration?
8: Yes. Uh, so moved, Harmson.
0: Second, Burgess. Moved, Harmson. Second by uh, Burgess. Council discussion. Roll call. Wait. Um, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was going to get one I
7: right.
12: I just have a few comments. No, absolutely. Not, Go. not many. Um, this is this is kind of an interesting proposal with the mixed-use Um I don't know how how often we see that, but it's, uh, I think, kind of an interesting location for this. Um, It'd be nice to see the buildings, you know, a little bit more expression of what the buildings are. Uh, Recently, we saw a presentation, what is it, West Homes, I believe, where the the building program was really fully presented. Um, I mean, we're not talking about a lot of buildings, so in that sense, it's not something I'm concerned about, but it is, it is in a very visible location. So architecture will matter on this project. Uh, traffic circulation, uh, I don't, I'm not really anticipating this project having significant impact on traffic. But the traffic on Scott is problematic, in my view. And, and this isn't helping. It's adding uh, the right turn lane, more movements coming from different directions. Uh, that merge and I, I always get directionally if you're if you're coming off of Dodge and you're heading on to Scott past the fire station, it goes pretty quickly from two lanes to one lane. And we're adding yet another lane that will also terminate and narrow. So we have narrowing occurring on both sides. Um, you know I just kind of anecdotally coincidentally heard from a resident he wasn't familiar with his project, but he was saying how, you know, in that section of that, of Scott, you know, there are often a lot of near misses, people merging, and, you know, you're not expecting that car that might be in the turn lane for uh, Dubuque Road to turn left. They actually keep going straight, and so you have a merging condition. Um, I do think the staff really—we really need to look at that and see— what can be done um, to improve the situation because it's that that kind of quick merge off of as you're coming off of Dodge um, seems like it seems like we need some, perhaps an a, a turn lane more of a pocket turn lane for Dubuque Road rather than a turn lane that just terminates and those who are in that lane but really want to go you know uh, straight on to continue on Scott. Um, there wouldn't be that confusion there. You'd be in a turn pocket rather than in a lane that, in effect, disappears. But, um, again, I, I don't really think this project is the problem. It's a kind of a problem that will be exacerbated by the development, but it's... I think s- some attention needs to be given to this to try to improve the traffic safety.
0: One comment, is someone who... Is on that road every day and has been for almost 13 years. Um, there definitely are times when somebody's like, oh, I'm in the wrong lane. But I would actually say that with the roundabout, it actually people are not coming from a dead, you know, drive. They're, it's, I don't think it's quite as dangerous as you're making it. It's pretty clearly marked where the left turn is. And there are definitely the times of, like, oh, that person didn't see it, but because there is actually very clearly delineated, like there's that um, island in the middle, people can see that they are like, oh, I'm in the wrong spot. So at any rate, I actually can kind of see that the right lane for getting into the new development could actually help clarify that confusion because then there's a clear, there's a left lane, there's a middle lane, and there's a right lane. So for what it's worth, just that's more me completely as just a a person who uses the road, not as an expert.
5: I agree with uh, Councillor Thomas about the visual, and it's kind of hard when you just you see a rectangle and a couple of little squares to really visualize um, what it would look like and how it would blend in with the neighborhood. Uh, but I do see this. We we've heard about infill or lack of infill in Iowa City for such a long time, and and I see it as a rather creative use of that infill space that that, that will be uh, productive and and uh, be uh, meaningful to the community. And, and I even think that. Um, it could be uh, in the Webster's Dictionary under the definition of mixed use. I think it, it just really fits that, that picture. So I compliment you on that.
11: I'm grateful to see the buildings oriented with the really heavily towards the pedestrian access on the front um, and, you know, all the parking in the rear. I think that'll be a really nice approach from the roadway and those extra-wide side paths that we have there. And I think the pedestrian island at the, the crosswalk and the pedestrian refuge on just south of Dubuque Road, I think we'll probably have some traffic calming in that area as well. So
0: that's good. I was just going to say additionally that though you don't think of that area as being particularly busy um, or having a whole lot of need for commercial, in fact, the fire station, the um, university, the PEDS center is there those are both walkable to where this would be. So, um and there really isn't anywhere to go to eat or get coffee or anything like that that is walkable other than if you go all the way up to high V or there's press. But those that's a stretch if you're just like out on a break. So I think that this is a great idea for this location, um, and the school district as well. So I mean there's a lot of workers in the area who this would be a really welcome place to be able to do something like sandwich shop coffee stuff like that we do have a lot of coffee in the area but i just i think it's a great idea our firefighters can go across the street yes i was exactly and act so are we good all right eric what do i do next thomas
1: yes alter yes Burgess. [SSSS2] yes dunn yes harmson yes taylor
0: [SSSS2] yes Motion passes 5 to 0. 6 to 0. Sorry. Okay. Item number 11, A, 2023 park re- renovations. Um, and this is a resolution. Is this mine to do, or Julie, do you want to describe it? I don't. I'm not sure how much level of detail. Do I just read that first part?
1: Yeah, just the first okay. part. Sorry.
0: Resolution approving project manual and estimate of cost for the construction of the 2023 park res- renovations project, establishing the amount of bid security to accompany each bid, directing city clerk to post notices to bidders, and fixing time and place for receipts of bid. And um, I'll say welcome.
2: Hey, Julie evening, Council, Julie Seidel Johnson, Director of Parks and Recreation, here to talk to you about our next round of park renovations happening this summer. Uh, there are four parks in this bid: uh, Kiwanis Park, Hunters Run Park, Happy Hollow, and then Hickory Hill. Although, please note that Hickory Hill is being is an alternate in at this point in the bids because of just such a volatile environment. We want to make sure that we protect and be able to do as much as we can on the other projects. Hope to get all four done, but that gives us a little bit of um, decision-making if that, if that doesn't happen. Uh, all four of these were reviewed at the January Parks and Rec Commission. They reviewed and recommended their approval of what you see in front of you. So the four parks, as I said, three H's and a K. So Hunter's Run, Happy Hollow, Hickory Hill, the Conklin Street entrance, and then Kiwanis Park. And we'll go through Kiwanis first. With Kiwanis, Kiwanis Park, we had two neighborhood meetings. Uh, such a unique playground here. This is one of the natural play areas that we have um, in the community. So we had a first had our first neighborhood meeting out on the park site. We actually had it in conjunction with the meeting for the Willow Creek Trail project, so it was really nice to have both happen at the same time. What we heard from the neighbors is they love the natural area of this particular playground. They want to keep it similar we had some real maintenance concerns that need to be addressed. So the things that will be happening there, the shelter stays as is. At one point we thought we might replace the shelter. There's no need to do that. So the shelter remains as is. All of the wood timbers that you see throughout are being removed. The landscaping will return that so we have better access for ADA. You'll still have the hillsides. Uh, We'll have boulders kind of holding the the slopes back. You just won't have the wooden timbers any longer. Interestingly enough, um, over the the years they've pulled different boulders out of this park um, they were all sitting down on our parks maintenance shop so they're going to come back to the park as part of this project we don't have to buy new ones we we save them uh, the slides uh, will stay in a there'll be different slides but in the same area um, here's the drawing. That doesn't show up so well, but I have a better rendering of it. The play areas stays similar, so the main play structure is being replaced with kind of a diamond-shaped um, rope structure. Uh, there's a smaller kids' play area that will go where the sand, we had a large amount of sand play area at this park. That's being reduced. There still will be some, just not as much. And then there's kind of two smaller hammock areas, hangout areas, um, on either side. Uh, the neighbors are really excited about that as a play element, kind of a swing, but a, as a hammock. Um, the, the tunnel that is so popular here stays as is. We have to do a little work to the top um, where the uh, railing is to make it compliant, but the tunnel it will stay. And then the bridge that is over um, on the other end will be replaced by another concrete tunnel. So the bridge will go away because it's got the wood timbers but it will be another tunnel because we heard the kids really, really like to play in those. So the uh, equipment on the top left is the larger piece of equipment that will go in. You see the hammocks, you see the slides will still be built into the hillside, Uh, and then we have the smaller child play equipment. Interesting enough, the Parks Commission requested that it not have a red roof, so I'm not (laughs) sure why, but it probably will not have a red roof. Um, And so that's everything on Kiwanis. Do you have any questions on this one before I go on? Okay, The next one is Hunter's Run Park. I believe this is our westernmost park in the city, uh, but also one of the oldest playgrounds that we have, playground equipment. You see the older playground equipment there. The other thing to note about Hunter's Run, uh, we aren't replacing the shelter here, and this has one of our best remnant prairie areas, or I should say reestablished prairie areas. If you go beyond the playground in this park, there's kind of a really nice hidden oasis back there. So this is my commercial for Hunters Run Park. To go out, there's a trail that walks around the prairie area with a with a shelter back there and a little water, water area. Beautiful park. Really old playground. So this replaces the playground. Uh, we did a neighborhood meeting for this in November. The playground area will stay similar to where it's located now. We've had some tree removals already take place, uh, ash trees and some other scrub trees that needed to come out, but we kept the large um, shade producing trees and built the playground around that area so we keep that. Um, This is the playground the neighborhood chose um, and it will be installed as part of the project. Okay, any questions on Hunter's Run? Happy Hollow. Um, Happy Hollow. You'll see current conditions, and this project will eventually replace the the playground, and it will reskin the baseball field, and then provide accessible paths to the uh, uh, basketball court and the baseball diamond. The playground, however, is going to be installed by city staff later in the season. So, in fact. Either tomorrow or the next day is when we will put out the public survey to the residents around Happy Hollow. It'll be it'll be available to all residents through social media and the city website. We have six options uh, for playgrounds. They'll get their chance to vote on that. This particular part of the project, as I said, puts in the pathway, the ADA accessible pathway, and um, reskins the field and puts it back to ag lime. At one time, we had talked about more drainage for that field. Um, the engineering studies show that. that that's just really not possible with it the way it is in the basin, but by building it correctly with the ag lime, it should make the drainage better than it was. It's still, it still won't be perfect, but it'll be better. Questions? Okay, and the final one is the north entrance, the Conklin Street entrance on Hickory Hill Park. Um, On all the other ones, we've had neighborhood meetings. I forgot to mention that we had two on Happy Hollow. Hickory Hill, we did not have a neighborhood meeting because it's kind of a different um, entrance, different area of the park. We did meet with the leadership of the Friends of Hickory Hill and talk this over. This is the the entrance, has small parking area, and it has the last of our octagon um, older shelter styles that included its own the restroom and the shelter in one building. And what this project will do, we'll split that into two structures. Um, The restroom will move, as you can see the trail here on the right as it comes out of the parking lot. The new restroom will kind of sit where that bench is on the right side. So the restroom structure will be closer to the parking area. Um, We feel like that will provide easier and better access to it. And this restroom um, building as you can see in this picture, it's not a real close-up, but includes a storage area for the Friends of Hickory Hill. They currently have storage space within the current facility. We wanted to make sure to maintain that. Uh, they, they have their own equipment that they use to help maintain the park. So that's, that is maintained. The restroom facility would be similar to what we have at Court Hill or Weatherby Park. Any of the newer ones that we put in, it'll be that design. And then the shelter will be one of our CoverWorks brand shelters. You see these throughout our park system now. Fraunholtz, Miller, Cardigan, Villa Park. Um, quite a few have these shelters. This is about the size of what's at Fair Meadows. So it's hard to judge the different the size change here because you had an octagon and we're going to a, um, either a square or a rectangle. Essentially, the same number of picnic tables will still fit underneath it. So. Project timeline, we're at public hearing, uh, bid letting on March 15th, hope to award March 21st, and then construction this spring through next fall. That's simultaneous for all, at least three. At least three, hopefully all four, yeah. Thank you.
0: now. Any questions
1: for Julie before uh, Are there counsel? any questions? Oh. If not, then I, I failed to prompt you to open the public hearing. We should probably do that I just now.
0: realized that I was like, there was a gavel missing. <laughs> That's right. This is open now. Are there any, uh, is it public comment? Public?
1: Yeah, invite public comment and double check. There's no one online. I don't know. I've right. been...
0: Kelly, saying, think, Kelly, is there anyone? No? All right. Yeah, we can close the public then hearing. I will close the public hearing. Yeah. Um, motion to, are we considering we're all in agreement on this?
1: Well, yeah, we need a motion and a second for the okay. resolution. That's so moved. Harmson.
0: Second. Done. Harmson and done. And now discussion. Uh, or just yeah.
1: Council discussion. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, it looks fantastic, Julie. Yeah. It really does. Thank you. Okay. Roll call.
1: Alter. Yes. Fergus? Yes. Dunn? Yes. Harmson? Yes. Taylor? Yes. Thomas? Yes.
0: Motion carries six to zero. Okay. We are now on to the maximum property tax levy. This is a resolution setting the maximum property tax levy for certain levies for the proposed budget ending June 30th, 2024.
3: Seen the PowerPoint?
14: It's the blue and white striped one. I uh,
3: thank you, Jeff. <laughs> Got my eyes dilated this morning. I still can't see.
14: <laughs> <clears throat> Not sure that's great for the finance director giving a budget presentation, but give it a try, Nicole. Let's <laughs> see how it goes.
3: <laughs> All right. So Maxwell prox- Property Tax Levy. Um, I'm going to go through this pretty briefly. This was a new requirement that was passed in 2019, so not so new anymore, but it only impacts five of the levies, uh, our general levy, the transit levy, the tort levy, the emergency, and then our employee benefit levies. This does not impact the debt service, the library, or the Schmid levies. So with this, the maximum property tax levy that's proposed is the $55 million that you can see on the screen. Um, This is an increase of 2.28 over the fiscal year 2023 property tax levies. And the primary reason that this is more is because of the increase in property tax valuation that existed when we did these forms. Um, And since this increase is greater than 2%, that requires a two-thirds majority of city council to approve Um, The property tax rate is remaining the same with the levy as last year, the 15.633. The total property tax revenue that's currently budgeted will increase 2.42%, and that includes the smid levies. Um, A separate public hearing will still be uh, required to adopt the budget, and this is just the next required step in the process. Any questions?
0: Thank you. Are there questions from council?
1: No. Uh, yes, I'm sorry. Certainly, you can ask. Um, That's been yeah. Questions right. from
0: can- council? No. Public. public discussion. Are there any public comments? No. Then I'm going to close the public hearing. Uh-huh. And can I get a motion to approve?
12: So move, Thomas.
0: Second. Second, Taylor. Thomas and Taylor. Council discussion. Roll call.
1: Burgess. Yes. Dunn. Yes. Harmson. Yes. Taylor. Yes. Thomas. Yes. Alter.
0: Yes. Motion passes six to zero. We're on to 11C library parking this is an ordinance amending title 9 entitled motor vehicles and traffic chapter 4 entitled parking regulations to return library parking to a 20 minute limit this is the first consideration
1: looking for a motion and a second first
0: motion to give first consideration so moved, so moved. Oh, go ahead so moved moved by Dunn seconded by Harmson staff comments
1: Thank you. Uh, This is, uh, as you can imagine, a library item, uh, but they are not represented here. So I've been tasked with uh, speaking to it briefly. Um, This is at their request. Uh, They, as you know, uh, changed um, their service levels during COVID, uh, such that they were doing drive up service and doing, of course, everything they could to continue to accommodate their patrons during a time of limited uh, close contact. Um, and so they uh, reduced the uh, time limit from 20 minutes to 10 minutes. They, of course, have now reopened to the public and uh, feel they are ready to return to their pre COVID service levels. And uh, for that reason, they feel that uh, uh, returning to the 20 minute limit would be appropriate as well. I'd be happy to answer any questions as best I can. Thank you for accommodating me by asking no questions.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Are there any questions or comments by the public? Mm-hmm. <coughs> Seeing none, council discussion. Roll call, please.
1: Dunn? Yes. Harmson? Yes. Taylor? Yes. Thomas? Yes. Alter? Yes. Burgess?
0: Yes. Motion passes six to zero. We are on to 11D, which is the purchase of 500 Manor Drive. This is a resolution approving a purchase agreement for 500 Manor Drive for flood mitigation. Can I get a motion to approve? So moved. Done? Seconded by? Second. Second by Burgess. Uh, again, Eric. The-
1: Thank you. Um, so uh, this is probably more for the public than uh, for the council, wh- who is already aware of uh, what was going on here. But this is uh, a home in the Parfu Terrace area, uh, from which we've been trying to buy out as many properties as possible, so as to demolish them, um, so as to reduce the service levels required down there, as that area is obviously heavily prone to flooding. Um, This property is owned by a woman who is getting ready to move out, and she and her attorney reached out to the city and wondered if we would be interested in purchasing it. She had a private appraisal uh, done for the property. That appraisal came back at two eighty four. dollars Um, And the council has directed staff to negotiate to see if we could uh, get it for a a price closer to its uh, assessed value. I would note that the assessed values, like all Iowa City residential property values, will likely be going up substantially uh, this next year. So the spread between its current assessed value and the appraised value uh, is not as great as it, well, it will not be as great shortly. Uh, City manager's office uh, did a great job negotiating and got it to $276,000. One note that uh, it also includes a lease for uh, the current owner to remain for up to six months, if she wishes, uh, as she kind of readies her affairs and ready to move on to the next uh, stage of life for her. Uh, And so she can obviously clean out her um, uh, personal property from uh, the home during that period of time. Uh, During that period of time, she'll be responsible for all sidewalk maintenance, lawn mowing, um, all that kind of thing, as well as obviously all utilities. Um, But I think that's uh, uh, about it. Of course, once we take possession of the property, we'll be demolishing it. So we're frankly not all that interested in how the property is maintained. Uh, Obviously, it needs to not be an eyesore for the community that remains there. But um, otherwise, we'll be demolishing it in any event. I'd be happy to answer any questions you may have.
0: Thank you. Can I get a motion to approve? I
1: oh, we think we've already got the motion. I oh, think we're ready for sorry. public or questions If <clears throat> questions for me if there are any and otherwise public comment.
5: Here we go. Thank you. Sure. Uh, I don't know if this is the time or if you have the answer or Jeff has the answer. Uh, do we do an RFP for a private company to demolish? And uh, if so, about how much would that cost and what would would they usually do with like the materials to dispose of the materials from this home
14: that's a good question we will um, try to salvage anything that we can out of the home uh, this home was probably recently uh, renovated after the 2008 flood so um, we will go through if there's anything that we can re- re- reuse in any of our other rehab projects across the city we will do that um, and then uh, yes we will do a um, Uh, and uh, an RFP for demolition services um, will typically allow our public safety departments to do any training that they would want to do before demo and then it uh, would be demoed I I think that probably an expected cost for demolition would be somewhere around 20,000 25,000 would be kind of my ballpark estimate.
1: If I could just add, yeah, when when Jeff mentions the public safety training, what he largely means is the fire department going in there and tearing stuff up, <laughs> as they are need to do in, in some fires, yeah. So it's a nice opportunity for them.
12: Any any flood risk this coming spring?
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh to this property you mean? Well or? to
12: on the Iowa River that could threaten this property. Do we know what the uh, projections are?
1: Oh, I don't have any specific projections other than.
14: Yeah, the, with um, actually water levels being um, down fairly low right now, the the spring outlook is pretty positive. So um, the, the the flooding risk is low, uh, but we all know that could change pretty quickly. Uh, so I think we should be okay um, this spring, but but certainly we've seen uh, even after the 2008 flood, we've seen threats of significant flooding in uh, several years that that followed that, and uh, I, I think staff is is still pretty. Insistent and driven by this idea of the best, the best flood protection is to move uh, people and structures out of harm's way when possible. So we'll continue to look for these opportunities. We know we can't remove all structures from the floodway, at least uh, in the short term. But uh, anytime we see an opportunity like this, we'll 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 do what we can to bring it forward to you.
0: Okay. Council comments now. Or? Yeah, I was going to say, co- council comments. Sure,
1: yeah. Council,
7: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I I, I want to discuss a little bit of uh, the reasons why I'm very strongly in supportive of this. Um, climate scientists can correct me if any of this is uh, I- incorrect, um, but we are seeing general destabilizations of the of the polar jet stream. Uh, and this leads to a lot of different effects. Um, When we have a meandering rather than stable jet stream, um, places like Iowa, the upper Midwest, even Northern Europe uh, can experience larger fluctuations of extreme weather events at weird times like warm weather in the middle of January uh, or polar vortexes like we've seen in the past. Uh, Those are both examples of climate change, human-caused climate change uh, events and the destabilization of the jet stream. Um, One of the things that that also brings uh, during particularly the wet season uh, is warm, uh, moist air from the Gulf of Mexico straight into the upper Midwest, straight to where we are. Uh, And when that encounters the colder air as we're closer to the jet stream, that just dumps on us. Uh, we're expected as this process continues to develop and get worse uh, unfortunately uh, to actually have less of a problem uh, with droughts in our region and much more of a problem with consistent and dangerous flooding. Um, So as our our comments were in our our close session, I think it's really important that we're investing in this particular property and other properties in the area to make sure that we're not dealing with human catastrophe that we know are going to continue. Um, So I, I really support Going forward with this, I think it's a smart thing for our community, and it's a smart thing uh, to prevent people from losing their their livelihoods and potentially their lives.
5: I have to be honest; um, I cringe at the thought of uh, demolishing a home, especially one that. This person had spent a lot of time in in remodeling, and and it is currently suitable for occupancy, obviously, because she's going to live in it, uh, potentially, for six more months. Uh, So (laughs) that really bothers me. Uh, But I I know I would be in the minority if I uh, did not vote in favor of this, but uh, the arguments for it uh, that I've heard as far as the... um, Helping the environment. Thank you, uh, Councilor Dunn, for that argument, um, and just the safety in that area. I know it's a long, going to be a long process. I also thought, oh, it's just you know this green space that's just kind of in the middle of, not the whole block of where we're we're trying to salvage the green spaces, but eventually over time, it's going to be baby steps. It sounds like as, as uh, other residents or property owners decide that uh, let's let's get out of here, let's get out of Dodge, and 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 sell this property. So. Um, yeah, I'll I'll vote in favor. of
0: comments? Okay. Uh, roll call.
1: Harmson? Yes. Taylor? Yes. Thomas? Yes. Alter? Yes. Burgess? Yes. Done. Yes.
0: Motion passes 6 to 0. And we have next up um, 11E is our assessment schedule. This is a resolution adopting an assessment schedule of unpaid mowing, cleanup of property, snow removal, sidewalk repair, and stop box repair charges, and directing the clerk to certify the same to the Johnson <coughs> County Treasurer for collection in the same manner as property taxes. Can I get a motion? Is that correct? Am I okay? Motion to approve. So move, Thomas. Moved by Thomas. Second. Second, Burgess. Seconded by Burgess. Public discussion? Are there any, is there public? No. Seeing none, council discussion. Roll call. Taylor? Yes.
1: Thomas? Yes. Alter? Yes. Burgess? Yes. Dunn? Yes. Harmson? Yes.
0: (laughs) Motion passes 6-0. to Item 12, council committee appointments. 12A is the Better Together 2030 board. Um, Better Together is seeking a representative from the city of Iowa City to serve as a board member. It is anticipated that the board will consist of 15 individuals representing local government, community, and economic development organizations, and the general community. Meeting frequencies and times will be determined after the board has been formed and the bylaws are adopted. The council may choose uh, an appointment or ask the city manager to designate a staff representative. Um, Is it possible for me to make one add? um in may I make an answer yeah, sure I'm not sure what um you're I going. just I know in conversations that um with the city manager that there's kind of general consensus that the preference is for a city council member so um with that as well, I would yeah. council I, discussion yeah council discussion and I'm here. interested in doing it i was, <laughs> I was in fact going to suggest Laura um simply because one of the major components of 2030 is as uh, the state of the city talked about was regional transit. And Laura has long advocated for it and has deep knowledge. We all know if she is interested in something, she learns everything possible about it uh, and also has the tenacity to influence others. So that's my my call on it.
7: Laura, it, it seems we're here again. <laughs>
0: okay.
7: I am also really interested in it. Uh, you know, I, I would say as my own personal advocacy, I am also very interested in, in public transportation and, and going after those types of, uh, of issues, though certainly don't have the record that you do. Um, I think another interesting perspective that I would lend as both a young person and a renter here is... Exactly that. (laughs) Um, I want to make sure that the board does have young people in mind as well as people who are not necessarily of the highest socioeconomic uh, rung on the ladder. Um, Not saying anything about any other counselors, but just speaking for me personally, I want to be clear about that. yeah, that, added to that, I'm, I'm well-connected with a lot of different organizations in the community, both businesses and nonprofits alike, labor as well. Um, I think it would be a, a great opportunity for me to, to continue to serve. And, uh, but I do agree that uh, either of us or anyone else on the, on the council would be a great representative.
12: Would it be possible to have us appoint a person and then an alternative, um, an alternate, you know, if that would
4: possibly be?
1: Sure, or either formally or informally in, in the sense that if you had one council member who was appointed, there could be an informal understanding that if that person's unavailable, the second person would go. Or if you want to do it in a more formal sense, you could probably do that, too. I don't know if it, the alternate would have any formal bearing on the better together board, I mean, you know, how they would view it, but sure, um, sure. but either would be fine. Sure. Just throwing that out there.
0: Yeah.
12: I, I would like to ask, um, what what are you two currently serving on? You're, you're, you're on ICAD, right?
11: No, I'm you're not. not. That's Megan. That's
12: okay. me. So, what, what are your.
11: I'm on JEXA and uh, the paratransit.
12: JEXA is the.
11: formerly JEC, the Joint JEC. Emergency Communication Systems Gosh. Association. <laughs>
7: And Andrew, and then for me, aside from MPO, I'm just on the um, graduate student um, organization.
5: You can correct me if I'm wrong, Councilor Burgess, but it seems like in other meetings you've actually brought up this Better Together group quite often. Yeah, Is that I mean, correct? It seems like I've heard you talk about the Better Together program for quite some time.
11: Yeah, I, was, um, I wasn't on the steering committee. That was uh, Counselor Mims, but I did have the opportunity to participate in um, sort of the bigger visioning process and the, the big sort, if you all uh, r- remember that, activity. Um, and I would say I'm, I, I do believe I'm very knowledgeable of the the plan, the all-in vision uh, that the mayor mentioned in his state of the city and have strong connections with the working groups um, for the different pillars that are in the plan. So, I mean, I, I do think that I, I wasn't really expecting to have to make a pitch for myself in, <laughs> in opposition to another another counselor, but... Um, Yeah, I think I have the political connections at this point in terms of our neighboring communities and the county um, that would be useful to
0: leverage. Well, how do we want to go about this? Do we want to have an informal situation where there is an alternate? I mean, I think that there is something to be said for having you know a breadth of knowledge of the activities of of the group um i'm not so sure given that this isn't ours uh per se we would just be joining a board i'm, I'm not sure that having a formal alternate really appears appropriate at the moment um but i i don't know how the rest of council feels about doing that kind of a an approach um
7: I'm, I'm comfortable with whatever the body decides. And also if there's, we want to do just like an informal, like, what are you guys thinking? I can, well, whatever, you know, honestly. Yeah.
11: I, I mean, if, uh, if you choose to appoint me to the board, I would be glad to have Andrew fill in anytime I was unavailable. And certainly, you know, uh, bring you up to speed on the activities of the organization more.
0: Thoughts of interest to you? I'm seeing nods of approval. So, why don't we go ahead and uh, motion to app- Is this correct at this point? But
1: yeah, we'd need a motion, uh, if I'm ne- hearing things right, a motion to, to approve uh, Councillor Burgess. Yes. With an informal understanding that anytime she's not available, it would be Councillor Dunn, and then we'd need a second for that motion and then a voice vote.
0: Okay. So, can we get a motion to appoint Councillor Burgess with an understanding of? That Councillor Dunn will fill in when she is unavailable. And um, can I get a motion? So moved. So moved. Dunn, second. harmson harmson There's All, all in, those favor. in favor? Yeah. Say aye. 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 Motion passes six to zero. All right. Congratulations, both. Okay. We are on to uh, council appointments. We have the Senior Center Commission. We have one vacancy to fill an unexpired term upon appointment uh, that goes through December 31st, 2023. And I need to log in. Sorry, I'm logging in right now, so Mm -hmm. if there's...
5: Was it was one male and one nun? wasn't it? I am not
1: sure. Right, to be clear, there's uh, 13A and 13B, both of which are Senior Center Uh, Commission. Uh, Would you like
0: me to just put them together? uh, Is that easy enough?
1: I think that would be the most efficient. And, and of course, noting that there's a different uh, term expiration date for those two you'll want to make sure you pay heed to. Mm -hmm.
0: Thank you.
5: Is there any sex balance here? It it was one male, one nun, I believe is what it was. Correct.
12: Well, we could appoint uh, Lee McKnight to the position that's as the male
0: mm-hmm. requirement. With that, I would be okay.
12: I don't have a, a strong opinion for the second person. I will say, at a slight uh, uh, Teresa uh, jumped out at me just a little bit more. Um, all three good candidates, but
0: yeah, I agree okay. with that too. And her last name, how is that spelled?
7: Let me
5: see. S-line?
0: Messline. M E S S L E I N. Thank you. All right. So, do we have a motion to appoint Lee McKnight? Uh, actually, does it matter?
1: It order. probably does. Yeah, I was just Does. trying to, okay. I was checking with Kelly real quick to see, because I, I want to make sure that we don't, as of, do this wrong. you know, fall out of compliance at the end of 2023. Um, maybe it doesn't matter. Um, do you know, uh, oh, there, well. Uh, I see that there's um, the first one that re, uh, expires currently at the end of this year is filled presently by someone who looks like maybe a, a woman and uh, a male on the second one. So if so you we
0: could c- appoint opposite, or sorry, appoint female first, the first
1: to the first term, yes. uh, the first yeah the one that expires at the end of this calendar year, and then your right. male candidate for the one that expires at the end of twenty four, and then you would be maintaining the gender balance.
0: Okay. So we have a motion to appoint Teresa Messline um, with term expiring twelve thirty one twenty three, and uh, also a motion to appoint Lee Knight with his term expiring twelve thirty one twenty twenty four. Can I get a motion? those have to be separate
1: no you can do it Uh together if that's if everyone's in agreement Mm -hmm. or a majority
0: (laughs) second (laughs) moved by Thomas second by Dunn. all in favor say aye aye Aye. Aye. motion passes six to zero we
1: should probably call just if there's any nays I don't think there are any but just for are there
0: any nays sorry okay (laughs) Announcement of vacancies previous. Civil Service Commission, one vacancy to fill an unexpired term upon appointment. Uh, Airport Zoning Commission, Iowa City Representative, one vacancy to fill a six-year term. Uh, Historic Preservation Commission, East College Street, one vacancy to fill an unexpired term upon appointment. Historic Preservation Commission, Jefferson Street, one vacancy to fill a three-year term. Historic Preservation Commission, Woodlawn Ave, one vacancy to fill an unexpired term upon appointment. Vacancies will remain open until filled. And we are on to item 15, city council information. Are there any activities, information that you would like to share with the rest of us and the public? Sean and I are having an... Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs>
8: Sorry, yes. I was trying to think
13: of
4: what yes. has happened already. On not Monday, up. sorry,
11: okay. <laughs> On Monday, February 27th, from 6 to 7.30, Councillor Harmson and I will be at the um, Environmental... Eastside Recycling. By, build, what's that building called? It's
14: the Environmental Education Center,
11: I believe. Thank you. The Environmental yes, Education, Education Center, Center, not to be confused with other structures at the site of the Eastside Recycling Center. <laughs> um, for a listening post... We don't have any set agenda or topics, so invite anyone who's interested in speaking to us uh, to please come out.
0: I just want to take the opportunity to uh, congratulate Ben Keeter on his fourth national, on his fourth all-state championship. It is he's the thirty-second. Uh, Iowan to have done it. It's a major accomplishment and uh, very well-earned, and it's good good to see.
1: The seventh to do it uh, undefeated for his yes. entire high school career. Thank to you. To say
0: nothing of him being a world champion. Exactly. Uh, Under 20, yeah. So you might be following him just a little bit, too.
1: Well, yeah, and of course, <laughs> I remember him coming, yes. too, for that thing. But, yeah, it, it, he's a pretty amazing athlete. Of course, he's going to Iowa not only on a wrestling scholarship, but to play football, football, too. And yeah. uh, That's a, a pretty rare uh, bird
0: yeah well and he was also national all team in football too so anyway it was a good day for city high yeah. and all the other uh, state champions and uh, finalists all right city staff
14: nothing tonight
1: nothing from me either thank you
2: and nothing from the clerk's office
0: all right. I think our last thing for the formal meeting is a motion to adjourn. So moved, to Taylor. Second, Burgess. Move Taylor. Second, Burgess. All in favor, say aye. 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 And we are adjourned.